0: Ciao! You're listening to Ed Up Insights, where you'll get my take on higher education. I'm Bill Pepicello, former president of University of Phoenix and higher ed vagabond. So let's get started. You know, podcasties. In several episodes, I talk about stuff that I just don't understand. No comprendo. Well, on this episode, I'm going to talk about something that I do understand. Comprendo. And that would be what is going on with the Office of the President in Higher Education. Recently, several presidents stepped down within a week and not at just your run of the mill institutions. Stanford University, Texas A&M, Seton Hall and Berkeley Music uh, College of Music, amongst others, have suffered losses. Presidential departures have received a lot of hype during and since the pandemic. And reasons for departures vary, but are often, uh, you know, tinged with hints of scandal, misconduct, and general scrutiny that lead to resignations. And some are simply left to our imagination. We'll get back to that in a minute. But first, here's an interesting fact. Of these recent resignations, only one president had been in office longer than five years. Now, a recent study by ACE shows that the tenure of university presidents has been shrinking. The average tenure of the college president has shrunk several times in the recent past. Typical presidents have been in their current job for about 5.9 years, according to the results of that survey. And that's down from 6.5 years in 2016 and 8.5 years in 2006. I just made the cusp, uh, having been in for about eight years. Now, what's more, a majority of those currently serving don't think they'll be in their current role in five years. And those presidents planning to depart aren't leaving for some other college's top job. Instead, they're looking for possible consultant roles, returning to the faculty, or working in nonprofit agencies outside of higher education, according to this same survey. So what's up here? Well, guess what? Comprendo. You know, experts and pundits point to the context within which higher education labors in society today. And what might that be, you ask? Well, glad you asked. Believe it or not, there's a shrinking population of students who are prepared to enter higher education. Oh, really? Funding sources are drying up and public confidence in higher education is it at an all time low. And while certain institutions may be more affected by these issues than others, experts believe that a difficult environment could be driving presidents away. Really? Come on, who wouldn't wanna take a job as a captain of a leaky ship? Come on, let's just uh, see a show of hands. Raise your hands, anybody? And I don't see no stinking hands. Well, you know, the view from inside of higher education is that being a college president is one of the toughest jobs in the world. Really? All right, let's continue. In addition to that, did you know that university of leaders have to deal with and indulge all kinds of constituencies? Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And politics has begun to enter academia as never before. Wow, that doesn't happen anywhere else in society. Are you kidding me? So riddle me this, why does any of this surprise us? The fact is that higher education is no longer immune from the influences that the rest of society grapples with on a daily basis. Instead of bemoaning this fate, higher ed needs to look around and see how others deal with this reality. Is being a university president hard? Well, of course, but so is being the CEO of any company. So is running a small business. So is being the president of your homeowners association. You know, higher education is no longer in a bubble. That bubble popped like the dot .com. Google that if you'd never heard of the dot .com before. The increasing challenges that higher ed is now facing are not new they are the same challenges that the rest of society has been grappling with forever. So what's up, doc? Easy. The societal and cultural issues that higher ed has traditionally studied and chronicled have now come to roost on its doorstep. Oops, didn't see that coming? Well, then you all weren't paying a very good attention, higher education. We call the array of challenges that all of us and now higher education face reality deal with it you know being a university president isn't hard it's just different okay to be fair it's harder than it used to be but what job isn't and it takes a different skill set and mindset than previously being a college president isn't special anymore one interesting perspective is that students presidents rather, are now being held to the general standard of all kinds of presidents in society. Namely, that the person who assumes a presidency has to accept responsibility for what goes on at that institution under their watch. Really? Did we need to be told that? Now, reasons for presidential resignations are as abundant as colleges themselves, experts tell us. Sometimes presidents are pushed out by scandals, means they just don't get along with people. Other times by politics or business issues. One departing president cited negative press as a prime motivator. Oh man, if I bailed on University of Phoenix based on negative press, well, you can finish that sentence. So is any of this a surprise? And more to the point, Consider the fact that higher ed is the breeding ground for wokeness and DEI. So why is it surprising that its own creations have turned on it? You know, uh, think about how Frankenstein's monster ultimately led to his creator's demise. Nice literary reference there. Now, this is not a political statement. It's a fact of life. Rules for thee, but not for me, no longer applies to higher education. Now it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Presidents are saying, oh, hey, this is not what I signed up for. So they bail or they get bailed. Neither is pretty. So let's take a look at what it takes to be a president these days, or at least some of what it takes. The basic issue is one of preparation. You know, it's not enough to be a product of the academic ladder. It's not enough to be a great fundraiser or a pillar of the community. Now. All of those things may help, but they no longer define the position. Leading in higher education is now a lot like leading any business. Aspiring university presidents need to look around and see how it's being done, and then figure out how to leverage their own abilities to achieve desired outcomes. So, question there in the back? Yeah, Bill, what makes you so smart? Oh, you know what? I'm glad you asked. I'm a veteran of the wars. I'm a humanities PhD who moved up through the ranks and eventually landed in the president's office. But I had no business background and very little experience dealing with workforce issues, let alone a challenging HR setting. I find myself in the middle of a very competitive education environment as a leader of a for-profit, controversial and often beleaguered institution lions and tigers and accreditors. Oh my. So as Johnny Cash sang in his song, A Boy Named Sue, I knew I'd have to get tough or die. So I jumped in with both feet and learned what I had to in order to survive. The first lesson that I learned was from John Sperling, founder of University of Phoenix, who said, if I kept the student at the center of everything, other stuff would eventually work out. He didn't say it'd be easy. So with that in mind, Here's what got us through. And I noticed that's us, because another baseline is that I had to find like-minded people and put teams in place. Sounds easy, doesn't it? But man, do presidents ever miss that. Okay, so given the vicissitudes, another nice word, of American society, here are some of what I would list as must-have qualifications for a president today. Most importantly, you can't be a one-trick pony. Of course, you need to surround yourself with expertise and ability, but that's not nearly enough. You need to have a running assessment of the big picture, and that includes at your institution and outside of it, both in education and in society in general. In case you haven't noticed, American culture today is fluid, volatile, and capricious. You need to have the ability to gauge your circumstances and pivot. This takes equal parts of critical thinking and risk tolerance. You'll need to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Another country music reference. Always my fallback position, you know, three chords and the truth. So let's start with a couple of easy things. First, you have to build community ties. And I would suggest you begin with the major partnerships that you can use to develop a mutually beneficial uh, beneficial network. In my case, the Phoenix area has a pretty robust sports and healthcare sector. So I focused on these as the base and went from there, for example, to connect to boys and girls clubs and other charities. Now, University of Phoenix did not have uh, a fundraising arm per se, but I needed to develop some expertise in this area to help raise funds for charities, hospitals, and community uh, causes. And it all started with relationships and networks. But now to the hard stuff, which is all business and finance related. As higher education evolved, the business model will be a major driver of success. But if you think the current model is your key to achievement, you are wrong. At least you will need to figure out how to manipulate or tweak this model. If you get lucky, you may be on the cutting edge of transforming the higher ed model to a true for-profit model that is sustainable, but don't count on it. So here are a few tips on balancing quality and money, uh, because this is the toughest piece in today's turbulent atmosphere. First, you have to develop basic guidelines for fiscal responsibility viability and maintenance of academic quality. That is, how many balls can you juggle? The end game is that you have to figure out where and how to cut corners, to put it bluntly. When push comes to shove, you have to be able to to provide guidance and a framework on how to proceed. Now, here are some places that I looked at uh, and that institutions are assessing right now as they navigate choppy waters. I was just ahead of my time. First, you have to look at infrastructure. Higher Ed is notoriously flabby at various levels, you need to be able to understand basic ratios of people to productivity, and how to maximize those ratios. Now, if you and by you, I mean, your teams can do this, it goes a long way to getting buy in t- when tough decisions have to be made. Also, you'll need to look at ROI. Are you supporting departments or initiatives that are not advancing the mission of the university? This is commonly labeled as determining must-haves versus nice-to-haves. Higher ed frequently loses perspective here. Now, this type of analysis also needs to include a hard review of programs of all kinds. A thorough examination needs to involve workforce input, very importantly, both locally and nationally. Many institutions are using metrics provided, both locally and nationally, to make these decisions. But also look at your institution's individual success rate in placing students in both cases here. Institutions need to have clear pipelines to the workforce as well as to the community that are mutually beneficial to all parties involved. And the pipelines to the workforce need to be visible to students as well. This is key, and listen up here, to marketing and differentiation within the array of education options available both inside and now outside the walls of academe. One last thing. So where are these presidents gonna come from? Well, it depends. I think there are several possibilities, but in the end, it will depend on the leadership ability of individuals. The presidency is no longer a position of entitlement, nor is it unassailable. In fact, it's very assailable. It is the lightning rod of higher education, just as the CEO, uh, CEO position is in the rest of the corporate world. No one ever compares, but they should The ouster of corporate CEOs and university, of, uh, university presidents. The similarities are more than you might think and should send a clear message to wannabe presidents. And that message is pay attention and learn something. And with that podcast ease, I'll invite you to listen to the next exciting episode. Ciao.